It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Previously on Miracles Happen. It looks like this miracle wasn't a zap. It looks like this miracle was actually a process. Wouldn't you want that to be Jesus' default when you mess up? And, 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 I, I mean, and if this is true, if, if what John's saying is true, if this story really is true, and John's writing an eyewitness account, aren't you glad that's who Jesus is? Aren't you glad that's how Jesus is? See, we're all living in a map of boundaries. And the boundaries is our world. It's our life. Some of those boundaries that we have there are filled with lots of experiences. Some of them good, having children or getting married, going on trips, but some of them are filled with pain. But what kept this man in this world? And what keeps you and I in the world we're in? Would you give me authority? Would you actually look to me as the one has has authority? Have you ever been in a situation where you haven't had enough where God's called you to do something and and you you knew or you felt like you didn't have enough didn't have enough time uh, didn't have enough resources didn't have enough uh, ability and I want to put it to you just this idea that sometimes God blesses us with not enough so that we can trust him to demonstrate that He is more than enough. Hi, welcome Elevate Church. From my home to your home, um, great to have you at my place this week. And I just want a big shout out to all our Anzacers. Just want to say thank you to our veterans, to those who have fallen. We appreciate you. We honour you um, this weekend. But here we are in exile. I don't know how you're travelling, but I found this statement the other day. It said, exile enhances the senses. Think about that for a minute. Exile enhances the senses. Got a feeling from what I'm hearing that's happening around the place. I'm behinding people who are into conversations with their family that they probably should have had a long time ago. I'm discovering that people are doing things together. I mean, just the other day, I was walking down the bush track with my wife and we had trouble staying on the track because every now and again I hear that bell in my court in my ear and some little kid will come flying past me, followed by another one, then a third one. And finally, along comes dad, puffing and panting, thinking to himself, why don't they make seats that actually fit your backside because it's killing me? People are doing stuff together. Families are doing stuff together. And it's exciting. But I discovered something else. If I was to ask you a question, how long would it take to get around to those jobs in your house that you've been waiting to do for so long? I'm going to say one virus. Everyone's doing renovations. I went down to Bunnings. It took me forever to get in a Bunnings. Lined up, no sausage sizzle, in the heat, waiting to get in. Everybody's gone crazy. They're doing renovations. We've been doing our own renovations. Tidied the house, did the painting of the ceiling. We've just been busy doing renovations. But I want to suggest to you, as you come to my house, if I could take you around my house, this house, I love my house, but it was uh, something that didn't always look that way. Years ago, when, about 10 years ago now, 
we were looking for a place and I checked out online and I found this one for sale. And so my colleague who uh, was working with me up at the church said, let's go down and have a gander. So we did. So I rang up the agent. I said, hey, we'd like to go and have a look at the house. Are you free? She said, oh, look, I'm not free, but tell you what, the place is open. In fact, the windows are smashed. You can walk in and just help yourself. So we did. So we came down here, grass was about knee height. There was sheds out the front. There was just a dirt driveway. The place was wrecked. The balustrade out the front was falling apart. There was a hole in the decking. There was a smashed window. We walked in and, and there was the main door in that had no frame, no door, just an old towel hanging down. You walked out the back and there was a, a door that opened to a half a meter to a meter drop and you stepped onto a rusty old air conditioner. The place was a wreck. And my mate said to me, he laughed, he said, I don't think your wife's going to like this, Steve. I said, I reckon she might. So I ring Margie up, my wife, at work. I said, hun, I think I found our house. She goes, really? I said, yeah, yeah, I think I have. She said, what's it like? Now, every good wife, the thing they're looking for is what's the kitchen like or what the bathroom like, right? So she says, Steve, what's the kitchen like? I said, well, what would you like it to be like? She said, well, what do you mean by that? She said, where is it? I said, where would you like it to be? She said, you telling me there's no kitchen? I said, well, there's sort of an old outside sink in one of the rooms and a, a, a portable stove in another room and it's not that good. So anyway, she said, well, I'll have a look at it. So I rang up the agent again and said, can I bring my wife up to look? She said, help yourself. So we did. So we walked in, we helped ourselves and we stood in that room and we went, this is our house. Now, everybody else saw a mess. Everybody else saw a place that needed to be bulldozed down. Nobody else saw what we saw, but we saw our house. We saw something that we could make into our house. And I want to suggest to you, sometimes in life, all we see is the mess. And we focus on the mess. And when we focus on the mess, we don't actually see the possibility. And even when we look at each other, I mean, I've got a friend and he's been through so much stuff. He's had problem after problem after trauma. He couldn't help it. I'm thinking, how do you live with that? But you see, I only see the mess. What if we could actually look through, could see a real renovator, a real restorer doesn't see the mess, they see the possibility. I want to suggest to you that Jesus is the greatest of restorers. In fact, he's the greatest of renovators. There's a scripture, I just want to read the scripture to you that I found one day um, when I was reading through the Passion Translation. And it's actually from 2 Corinthians 5.17. And it says this, and if anyone is enfolded into Christ, imagine that, enfolded into Christ. I love the way he says that. He has become an entirely new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. You see, God is about not the renovation. He's about the restoration. We want to renovate. We want to add things to our lives. We want to build ourselves up. We want to make life different. But Jesus came to put your life back and it says a new creation. The word there actually means the original creation. It's going back to how it was right at the beginning. Because here's the truth. When God made you and I, he said, it is good. 
meaning it is complete. It is perfect. It is how it was supposed to be. You and I were designed perfect, but things happen and life gets messed up. Remember sharing this at a Bible study once and a group of uh, young ladies who weren't church background. And I was sharing this with them and one of the girls was very quiet and I thought I'd include her. So I addressed her and I said, would you like to share your thoughts? And her head was down. But as she lifted her head up, I saw in her eyes these tears that were starting to, to form. And she said, I want to be a new creation. She said, if you'd actually seen what I've been through and what I've done with my life. I've made some really bad decisions in relationships. I've made decisions in some of my habits and some of the things that I've been involved in. I've had bad background, but I've been in, I've done time and my life is a mess. I, I just want to stop and start again. I'd like to be a new creation. You know, that's the promise that Jesus came to earth so that you and I could be, in his words, born again, to be made new. And I want to take you to a story because we've been looking at this series over the last few weeks with Elevate on miracles happen. And they do. Miracles happen. Trans transform the lives happen. Miracles happen. I want to look at a life that was transformed because a man's vision turned from just seeing the darkness, but seeing the possibilities. It happens in John 9. John's a great book because it's one of the four Gospels. And in this, John is desperate. He doesn't call them miracles. He calls them signs because he says all these miracles were signs to direct us to Christ. And also he wanted to prove who Christ actually was, that he was the Messiah. You see, the Jewish people believed there were four Messianic uh, miracles or signs which would prove that only God could do this, so you must be the Messiah. One of those was the healing of a man who was blind from birth. The reason why he had to be blind from birth, because you see, if he was blind later on, then it might have been a sickness or it could have been a sin that he'd done that he could actually deal with. But if it's from birth, then it's my parents and, I, and that person isn't responsible and therefore only God is the one that could actually step over and heal. So for this man to be healed, it would have to be a God thing. So we're going to go along to um, this book now in John 9. I'd invite you to open it up or if you've got the app or the Bible on your computer, check that out. Um, look up John chapter 9. It's a, the whole of, the, of chapter 9 is a great one to read through, but we're only going to do part of it. And you need to understand the background. Jesus has just been at a feast called the Feast of Tabernacles, which is also known as the Feast of Booths or Booths, because it was all about uh, acknowledging and, and celebrating that God provided um, tents and he provided covering and he supplied for the people of Israel when they were in the wilderness. And so here he is, he's just been to this feast. He's just actually said to them, I am the living water. He's just told them, I am the one that has come. He's already spoken this out. I am the tabernacle, he calls himself. And then he comes to this place and we pick it up in John 9. And he says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi. His disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? 
Was it because of his own sin or his parents' sin? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sin, Jesus answered. Now listen to this. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. Wow, God wants to clean up our mess so that the power of God would be seen in you. We must quickly carry out this task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. It's a great story because here is this man. He's sitting there and he didn't actually ask. He didn't ask, but, it, but he comes along and Jesus walks up. And the first question that happens is, whose fault was it? See, we call that the blame game. When we're in a mess or someone's life is in a mess, we always look at, well, whose fault was it? Oh, it's because I'm unemployed or it's because I had a bad childhood or it's because so-and-so did this to me or it's because this happened. We love the blame game, but the blame game does not get us out of the mess. The blame game only holds us in the mess. We can't move through the mess while we're in the blame. I took a bunch of guys um, when I was uh, working with street kids. We took them on a stress camp. And as we're going on this stress camp, it was down at Nanga. We left at eight o'clock at night. And all we had was the cold, wet night, full moon. And all we had was six guys, one plastic piece of, of um, plastic sheet. We had a box of matches and a bottle of water, a map and a compass. And we were told, start walking. You've got 25 kilometers to walk. And, if you, and here is where your food is. So we had to go and find our food. Well, as we we're walking through and along and the guys were working the map out and got the compass out and they got totally lost. We were exhausted. It was freezing. It was cold. We tried to snuggle up together and sleep. And in the morning, we realized we were totally lost. Well, there was a massive argument. It's your fault. It's your fault. I told you you should have listened to me. Everyone is complaining to each other. You've probably been there sometimes in the car when you're lost. And someone said, I told you so. But you see, that wasn't going to get us anywhere. And I said, guys, stop. Stop right there. The only way we're going to find our food is if we stop and start again. You know, the blame game doesn't get us anywhere. The blame game, all it does is holds us in our mess. But notice what Jesus says. He says, now is the time. We need to work quickly because now is the time. I want to suggest to you that the mess that sometimes we find ourselves in or the mess that we see others in, maybe this is the time. Because God has come to restore us back to how we were supposed to be. He wants to make us whole again. But then we go on to do something really strange. I think this was really strange. Verse 6, it says, Then he spits on the ground, made mud with saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Now remember, this guy didn't ask for it. He's sitting there. And all of a sudden, he's blind. All he can do is hear. And he hears a guy coming alongside him and starts to work up some spit. Now, I don't know about you, but if you get a bit of dirt and you try and make dirt out of your spit, that's a lot of spit. And he was busy spitting and he made that mud. And then this guy innocently sitting there. He hasn't asked anything yet. Jesus takes the mud and puts it on his eyes. That's a weird thing, I reckon. Why would you put mud on his eyes? Now, there's lots of 
thinking about that? Is the dirt part of sand because we were made out of the sand? Um, is it about something being normal? I've got a feeling it's quite simple. You find it further on in the passage. He did it because he had to make something, because he was showing them that religion, because he wasn't supposed to work on the Sabbath. It was a Sabbath. He made something. You're not supposed to make something on the Sabbath, Jesus. You're breaking the rules of religion. Jesus is showing you that religion will only hold you in your mess. Jesus didn't come for religion. He came for relationship. And religion and rules and regulations hold us in our mess. And so he breaks that. But this is what he does. Picture this. He takes the mud and he puts this mud on this guy's eyes. Now he's got to walk from where he is all the way to the pool, right through the crowd. Everybody is going to see the mud on this guy's eyes. Everybody's going to go, what the? Why has he got mud on his eyes? Are you joking? What does he do with mud on his eyes? Oh, some bloke called Jesus, a rabbi, put mud on his eyes. They're going to start following him. You know, for us to get out of the mess sometimes, for us to see change in our lives, for us to have the miracle transformation, we've got to reveal and we have to expose and we have to show up the mess. This man's eyes were obviously not just because he was blind because he was walking along, but his eyes were covered in mud. You know, sometimes there's mud on us and we need to just to show that, yes, we need a miracle in our lives. This man had mud and he walks to the place of Siloam, the pool where he's going to go and wash it clean. Can I suggest to you that for us to move, have the miracle of regeneration, of going back to that, that, that creation that you were supposed to be, we've first of all got to acknowledge that we're actually in a mess. So let's read on a little bit further and then we find out he says, Jesus told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Now this pool called Siloam was quite important. You see, part of the Feast of Tabernacles, what they would do is to remember when Jesus brought water out of the rock to supply the water. He actually, they would go down, the priests would go down ceremonially to the pool of Siloam. And they would take a, a vessel and they would get the water and then they would carry it back up to the altar and they would pour it over the bricks. Because you see, this water was known as the living water because it was a spring that kept running and it was, it was significant. And Jesus went to that pool and that's where he said, I am the living water. I have come to bring you life. I have come to restore. I have come. So this man now comes to the living water, the pool. You see, once we've revealed that mess that we're in, I want to encourage us that God, even in my life and I know in others' lives today, there's things going on and Jesus is saying, let, let, let me see it. Bring it out in the open. And now let's go to the living water. That's Jesus Christ is the living water. He said that to the lady at the well. He said, if you would only drink of me, I am the living water. You would thirst no more. And so Jesus takes them to the pool and he washes those eyes. And all of a sudden, he can see. But then after the mud pack and after the water, um, we then come to verse 8. And it says this. 
His neighbours and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was and others said, nah, just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, I am him. I, I am the same one. They asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me to go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and I washed and now I can see. See, the truth is the miracle happened. This man was saying, Jesus did this and the miracle has happened. I want to encourage you and I encourage myself that Jesus didn't just come to the world so that we would get to heaven. He's come to the, our world so that he would take the mess of life that sometimes we find ourselves in. And he says, I want to restore you back to the creation because miracles happen. There's a, a scripture, um, finally, you go further on and there's all these arguments happening between the teachers and the rabbis. And finally, there's one of the rabbis says this. He says, I don't know whether this man is a sinner, he replied, but I know this. Sorry, this is what the, uh, the blind man says. I don't know if Jesus was a sinner, but I know this one thing. I once was blind, but now I see. I see the world differently. I see my situation differently. I look at others differently. I look at God differently. What a great time in this place where maybe life's slowing down a little bit, where maybe we're giving life a little bit of a rest. We could just stop and say, God, would you open my eyes that I could see you? I could see you in the mess of life. I can see you in the good things of life. I can see you in my troubled times. I can see you in my good times. I want to be able to see you afresh. I think God wants to reveal himself. I think Jesus came to earth so that you would see God and he wants to reveal himself. Can I encourage you? Miracles do happen. And there's a miracle waiting for each one of us. Doesn't matter whether you've been a believer for a long time or you never have. But there's a miracle waiting because God's desire is to restore our lives to the way it was made so that we would see him. Interesting that back in the garden, when the guys messed up a little bit, a lot, and the thing that separated them, they couldn't, they were struggled to actually not only look at themselves because their lives were different, they struggled to engage with God. And that's why Jesus came. He came so that we could actually go back to that formal relationship between God and ourselves. I want to encourage you today. Would you think about it? Would you pray? Would you maybe ask God for the first time for some of you? Jesus, would you open my eyes? Because see, a lot of eyes are closed but he wants to open your eyes. Would you ask him today? Um, would you open my eyes? Maybe you're in a situation you can't see a way out. Then come to Jesus and say, would you help me see again the possibilities of this? This COVID thing, it's a great possibility and a great opportunity. I hope you find it. God bless you. Let me pray for you before we leave. Father God, thank you that you are a miracle-making God. Thank you that miracles happen. And thank you, God, that your desire 
is that we might see you, that we might be restored to that new creation, that original creation that you made us to be. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love you to join us for one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information about our great Elevate Kids and Elevate Youth environments, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and also download our Elevate Church AU app. 